blessed day to you all and a warm welcome to the Grey Lad Cafe brought to you by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus is a communications consultancy focused on engineering, infrastructure, sustainability and research. And with you today is Inji Musa, political scientist and teaching associate at Cambridge University. And I'm very honored to be accompanied by Mr. Anthony Haynes, creative director of Frontinus, in this edition of our podcast that focuses on white papers. Greetings, Mr. Anthony. Greetings, Inji. So to start, I must humble myself once again, as I did in our edition on World Cloud, and admit that my knowledge of white papers is quite limited. Yet I remember quite well that during our launching episode, you spoke of white papers as a core genre of great literature. So if possible, can we maybe start from the basics and learn what is a white paper from you? Okay, yes. Well, as with a lot of great literature genre, it's actually quite difficult to define white papers crisply. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think the best way of approaching a definition of white papers is to characterize it through three steps. And what would be the first step then? I think the first step is to position it in relation to technical literature you know documentation specifications and so on mm. and i think white papers has something in common with technical literature and then there are some differences the thing that it has in common with technical literature is white papers need to be well informed they need to be reliable they need to be trustworthy you need to believe that the authors have done their homework mm. so that's the overlap that white papers have with technical literature now the difference the thing that sets them apart were actually several differences uh, white papers tend to be written for wider audiences and more varied audiences whereas technical literature tends to be written for a much sort of tighter sense of audience i think uh, these are all tendencies. You can't be categorical about them. But I think white papers tend to use more layering. What I mean by that is um, technical literature tends to be written all at the same level. And you might not want to read the whole of a technical document, but the way that you avoid reading the whole of it is to look at the subheadings and choose the section you need and then read that section top to bottom. With white paper, you have layers. You have things like an executive summary. You have uh, headings. Then you might have boxes and figures and mm. things like key takeaways, that type of thing. So uh, they're often written so that someone doesn't have to read the body text and they can actually read you know quite superficially if they wish to or they can delve down into the detail so i think they make greater use of different layers of text i also think they tend to start with a problem mm -hmm. very often the motivation of a white paper is quite explicit you know there's this problem we need to think about and then they tend to move towards a proposed solution and what that does is that gives the writers of a white paper the opportunity to tell a story here's a problem now let's explain how we get to this solution and then i think the last difference between technical literature and uh, white papers is white papers i would say are inherently rhetorical some defining rhetoric there is using language in order to have an influence on someone mm. i think white papers are usually designed to influence people and persuade people and, and push people in certain directions and push them away from other directions. Wow, excellent. So basically the first step is really to position it in relationship to technical literature. Mm -hmm. But what about mm -hmm. then the second step, if I may? The second step, slightly different. It's to position white papers in relation to marketing material. 
rather than technical material. And again, I think, again, there are things in common and, and there are differences. So the thing that white papers have in common with marketing material is what I've just said, that they are rhetorical. In other words, their intention is to influence things or promote things. And therefore, was often a call to action at the end of a white paper. You know, if, you know, I hope you've enjoyed reading this white paper and to find out more about this or to, you know, progress this in some way, here's the next step. That's a, the call to action. Here's what, where you, what you do next. Yeah. The difference between white papers and marketing is partly just to do it for titles. Like if you're writing about a certain kind of application, for instance, I think if you go and put the, the title of a product, let's say the title of the specific app that your company is making, the minute you put the specific name into the title, I think it starts to become marketing material rather than white papers. Mm. I think white papers also tend to be more outward looking. There's more a sense of, you know, let's have a look around and see what solutions are available rather than just talking about your own solution. And it tends to do it not in a zero sum way. In other words, white papers might start with a problem and then survey a number of solutions. And they don't say that all the solutions apart from your own business uh, are are no good or useless. It's not a zero-sum mentality, or it shouldn't be. And a white paper might also identify the downside of each solution. So in marketing material, that does happen sometimes. So actually, you do point out disadvantages of your own product. If you're very confident about your product, you might do that. Mm. But people tend not to do that. They tend in marketing only to talk about the upside. In white papers, you might get a more balanced treatment of everything. Wow, excellent. Yeah, I think the, what I really get from here is kind of the idea of objectivity and to what extent can you be unbiased in marketing material while in white paper it's more prominent um, in that respect. Okay, excellent. So sec first, second step, what about the third step then? Well, I think there is to step back and put the two things I've said together and look at the picture as a whole. Mm. So really what I'm saying is if we want to characterise white papers, we should see them as sitting in between technical literature and marketing material and overlapping both. But the relationship to the two is not necessarily symmetrical. That's to say uh, often white papers will draw more on technical literature than they do on marketing or look more like technical literature than they look like marketing. This distinction between white papers and marketing, it's very important if you're writing a white paper to maintain a distinction. Mm. If you don't, and if you want to be, I was asked by a client um, a few months back if I would help them develop a white paper. And when I started talking to them, it was very clear that they didn't want to develop a white paper. They wanted to develop marketing material now if you develop white paper but it's just it really is marketing material and it's just masquerading as white paper readers will feel like you've tricked them they will feel like you've conned them and so what i said to them is look if what you want to do is produce marketing material produce marketing material there's nothing wrong with it there's no disgrace producing marketing material but don't wrap it up as a white paper so for me the test of a white paper is this if I read a white paper and it pushes me towards the proposed solution and I reject that solution and decide that's not for one the one for me, do I feel it's been a waste of time reading the document? Mm. And if the answer to that is yes, I feel it's a waste of time, that tells me I've probably been reading marketing material. 
if the answer is no, I, I rejected their solution, but actually I still found that a valuable piece of reading, that's probably a white paper. Wow, that's a very interesting distinction. Interesting. Wow. Okay, so this really explains the place of white papers in the grey literature landscape. But why do they exist and why do they persist from your perspective? I think the first thing to say is they do actually get read. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of stuff that people produce doesn't necessarily get read. I think white papers have a pretty good record on that, mainly because of a point I've just made, that if you reject the proposed solution but think you've read something of value, that's a good use of time. So I think that that makes people more prepared to read them. And I think the second thing is they play a very useful role in in various stages in what we call the business development process, the process of building your brand and making sales. Okay, that's interesting because sales, building brand, and we just distinguished between marketing material earlier. So in that respect, how do they feature in business development without breaching that line between marketing material and white papers? Well, good question. And I should say, incidentally, by sales... I don't necessarily mean selling a product for money. Mm. I mean, it may be you want to promote a policy okay. or in research, you might want to promote a particular technique and maybe it isn't a trading relationship. You just want people to adopt things. I would still call that sales. Mm. Um, well, I think you use them in business development in, in various ways. Initially, it's to position your brand. Um, to use a phrase that's become very popular, it's to claim thought leadership. You know, you're you're at the front of things. You you're you are absolutely on top of the game, or at least to position yourself as an authority. You and your organisation, you know what you're talking about. That's the first thing. A little bit further into the business development process would be starting to engage a client, either sending them a white paper or them coming across the white paper might be the very start of the conversation that you have with them. Then I think there's the business of the call to action. You know, I said often at the end of a white paper, you'll have like, you know, if you would like to discover more about this, this is what you do next. So that leads people to engage in a more intentioned way. And then I think the final aspect of the business development is acting as an accelerator. So sometimes you are in discussions with stakeholders, client, proposed clients or whatever. And it's taking a bit of time and you want to kind of move things on and show, you know, we're actually the the, the organization that knows what we're talking about here. Then a white paper can help to do that. You know, if someone says, well, I find that very interesting. I'll need to talk about this with my managing director. You might say, well, uh, let me send you the white paper. Um, He might, he or she, or they might find that useful. Wow, interesting. Um, I think like we really covered a lot on what is a white paper today (laughs) and I definitely have a lot to think about and to learn more and more. So maybe one aspect we haven't really covered and I I would really appreciate the recommendation for myself and uh, and our audience is um, on how to write and develop a white paper in that respect. So where would you direct us to, to to kind of develop that aspect? Well, what I like to do with each type of grey literature is identify the category killer. Uh, by which, It's a phrase I learned in book publishing, by which I really mean, the, you know, the one resource that you go to. Mm. Actually, white papers, I think there are two very good resources, and I'm not really quite sure how to choose between them. There's a book by Steltzner, 
uh, as usual, we will put the details into the show notes, so I won't give the complete um, reference. But it was a book by Steltzner called Writing White Papers, which is published by White Paper Source Publishing. Excellent. And there's a book by Cantor called Crafting White Paper 2.0, which is published by Lulu. And I think they're both very good in, in different ways. Um, as I say, I'm not quite sure how to choose between them. Um, excellent. Thank you so much, Mr. Anthony, for that. I look forward to read both. And I'm sure our audience uh, share the same uh, anticipation as myself. So thank you so much for such an enriching episode today. And I look forward to overcoming. Thank you very much. Well, as usual, Indri, it's, it's been a real pleasure um, discussing these matters with you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. This was Inji Musa with Anthony Haynes. Grey Lit Cafe is edited by Dr. Bart Hallmark and produced by Frontinus Limited. Frontinus specializes in grey literature forms such as proposals, publications, papers, and reports. The music is from Handel's Water Music, courtesy of the United States Marine Band and Marine Chamber Orchestra. See you next time. Bye.